I'm Roshi Fernando, and I'm the author of Homesick. Homesick. Victor is thinking of other parties of his childhood, quiet, dignified, the productions of an excitable wife of a dour clergyman. Homemade marshmallows, he remembers, lightly coloured with cochineal, dusted with icing sugar. He stands in the hallway of his own home in south-east London, looking at the late afternoon sun, colouring everything with a honey glaze. My, he thinks. He can even see his own pudgy hand reaching up to the table to steal a sweet, and a servant clucking away behind him, shoo-shooing him as if he were an escaped hen. If his father had seen him, there would have been the nasty, damning words about thieves, about hell. He hears Prithee and Anthony in the kitchen, the pan lids banging, the murmured voices, one of them chopping at the table, a small laughter. I am rich, he thinks. He walks into the sitting room, adjusts cushions on the plush cream sofas, a recent investment. The plastic covers have been removed for this evening, but we'll go back tomorrow. Nandini said that once bought, this three-piece suite would be their last. It must survive 30 years then, he thinks, for we are so young, still barely 50. The sun is setting. He stands by the window looking out to the opposite houses. Already there is music from the end of the street. West Indians, their party will be raucous. Never mind, never mind. He takes his CD Fernando record out of its sleeve, holds it carefully by the edges, blowing the dust away gently into the last pink rays of the sunshine. When he places the needle onto the crack, crack of the outside lines, he can smell papadums frying. He can feel the warmth of the other air. He can hear the voices of people long left behind. And Victor's eyes fill with tears, for there is no going back in this life, only the moving forward to better things. There is only the climb up steep green hills that signify this Britain. He sits gingerly on the sofa as if he were the guest and the sofa the host. Ma balakale, Siti sings, and Victor hums along, remembering that the papadums will not be fried until the evening. Preethi is angry. Nandani is again talking of money, of wasted opportunities. She's talking about resolutions, and Preethi is tired of saying, yes, Sammy, I will work harder. I will forget that under this skin there is me. She wants to say, you know I'm slow. I'm not like Rohan and Gihan. I just can't do what you want me to do. But she changes the subject, talks about Claire, her friend from school, coming to the party. She's got the whole of Brideshead on video. Sometimes we watch two episodes. Watch? But I thought you studied together. Yes, we do. But sometimes we take a break and watch. And, and it is by Evelyn Moore. And you used to watch it with me. Which wasn't true, she thought. Ami was always asleep on the sofa. They are silent. So, who's coming tonight, Ami? Wesley and Ciro. This one, Gertie. She's bringing that foster child of hers. And her brother. He's done very well. He is here attending Sandhurst. What's that? Officer training. What? For the army? Which army? A Sri Lankan army for? Preci pauses for effect. The Sri Lankan army who like to repress and murder Tamil people. You know, Tamil people like me and dad. Don't be clever, clever. We left that behind all that talk. You're in England. Talk of English politics. How can you understand Sri Lanka? It's not ours to understand anymore. That's rubbish, she starts, but her mother slaps her hand. It stings. 
Don't say rubbish to me. Do you think I would have said rubbish to my mother? Creasy washes her hands and wiping them on her backside, edges around her mother's chair in order to leave. Where are you going? Come and chop the rest of these onions, then peel the carrots and grate them. She wants to call Claire, tell her to bring a bottle of wine, which she, they can sneak to her room and enjoy by themselves. She sits back down at the table and starts to peel the carrots. Onions first, her mother says. It's going to be a long New Year's Eve night, Preethi thinks, but tomorrow will be 1983 and something good should come of it. Nanthani finally in the shower, Victor takes another journey around the theatre of his house, imagining the characters who will be there shortly, seeing them stand with drinks in their hands, their colognes mixing with smoke, the perfumed silk-sarried ladies perched on the chairs he has placed around the sitting room and dining room. The table is laid. Rohan and Gihan help Preethi by lifting it and pushing it into the centre so that people can travel around it, serving themselves from the various dishes Nanthani has prepared. They had argued this morning about the expense of a party. Nanthani said he should have asked fewer people, but he knows that not everyone would come. Nanthani is tired all the time, he reminds himself. He had been on Preethi's side. He would have let her go to the college. She was happy at the local school. But Nanthani took a second job, begged the private school to take Preethi on. Every penny is saved. No, he won't think about it now. He wears a Nehru shirt, khaki, and cream slacks. He looks into the hall mirror, combs his floppy straight hair back into the quiff he has worn since he was 18. All of his friends wear their hair this way. The clock in the hall strikes seven. Gertie said she might come early, but the rest of the crowd are always late. Victor can hear the television upstairs in his bedroom. He had helped Rehan carry it up there in case the young crowd got bored. He walks upstairs to see what they are watching. He looks around the door. His three children are lying on his double bed. Gihan holds the video buttons and leans on his elbows, flat out on his tummy. He is still a baby behind his glasses. Rohan and Preethi lie leisurely side by side, propped up by pillows. The tape finishes rewinding and Gihan presses play. The familiar trumpet solo, the white words, and then the fade into a single face, a stilted Italian accent. I believe in America. The godfather, the godfather, it's all you watch, he says from the doorway. They shush him. Hmm, hmm, that can wait. Your mother will need to get ready. Enough, enough. Go and put a change, Gihan, Rohan. I'm changed, Papa, Creasy says. I know you are, darling. You look lovely, he says, as she walks past. He touches her face, pinches the burgundy satin of her dress. Come and choose some music with me, he says gently. They will all be here soon. Preethi watches from her window for Claire. She managed to call, and Claire said to look out for her dad's Mercedes. Claire is staying the night as her parents are going to a party in a hotel in town. Down the road there is laughter, reggae music, shouting. Preethi wishes she was there. All her friends at her old school were black. She misses Sonia and Marcia and Chanel. She wonders if they are partying somewhere, maybe in that club in Peckham they used to go to. She can see cars stopping on the street and people getting out. Saris, men in suits. She turns to her door. Someone's here! They're here! Chitra and Richard don't arrive until 9.30. They have battled with public transport, pushed against the crowd on their way to Trafalgar Square and now walk leisurely up to the door. Listen, Chitra says. Richard pulls her to him and kisses her. Listen, she says again. What? 
music, baila music, and can you smell it? Can you smell the curry? She stands on the doorstep, but doesn't ring the bell. What will they say? The people who knew her before she left her husband for Richard will all be there, sitting as they always do, in vicious, eyeing circles around the room. But she cannot resist, and Victor said he wanted her to come. He insisted that she come, and she is proud of Richard, this famous writer, this gorgeous god with his shoulder-length graying, baronesque hair. Suddenly the door opens and she peers in as Preecy throws her arms wide. Auntie, come, come! And they're pulled into the warm embrace of the party. Victor knows they are expecting him to say something. Nunthany has indicated with a nod the food is ready to serve. He looks around him from face to face. There are 30 or 40 people there, talking, laughing, some kissing on either cheek. Mr. Bassett is sitting in the centre of the sofa, his wife Rita perched on the arm next to him. Jenny, their daughter, is upstairs. Nandini is not happy because Mr. Bassett brought a bottle of whisky and insisted that Victor try some. Victor gave up drinking in the summer of 77, the same week Elvis died. But Victor respects Mr. Bassett, and it's an honour that he brought such a special bottle of whisky, old whisky, Bassett says. Victor had opened the bottle, taken cut glass tumblers from the kitchen, Nandini specifically told him earlier that only plastic cups must be used and poured a glass for Mr Bassett, a glass for Wesley, a glass for Hugo, a glass for Mr Chatterjee and a glass for himself. He did not offer any to Kumar, Shamini's cousin, even though he slinked about the back door purring obsequiously at Victor. Nasty-looking fellow, drunk when he got here, Wesley said. They had stood together outside in the garden, five friends, toasting the new year. It had been a quiet moment of clarity, filled with the resonance of the cold, bell-like clinking of their glasses. They had all knocked the drink back in one, as they would have done with Arak in Sri Lanka. And the salt harshness of the spirit on his lips dances there still. He looks around at the party, and he sees them all in the swimmer's gaze of a whiskied moment. Nandini's eyes shine black and hard as he raises his glass and shouts, Friends, a toast, here is, I mean, to us. And he stumbles a little and laughs. Time to eat, time to eat. Nandini turns, calls to Preeti, and Preeti and Nil, Ciro and Chitra follow her to the kitchen to start bringing through the churins of mutton, lentils, silver platters of yellow rice, glass bowls of salads and baskets of papadums. Victor sits down next to Gertie. Her foster child, May, is with her. Hello, little girl, he says, pinching her cheek lightly. There are a lot of other little girls upstairs. Why don't you go and play? She shakes her head. Shy, shy, Gertie says. Talk to my brother, will you? He's another shy one, neither, she says, poking the young man sitting beside May. Victor nods to the man, an officer in the army. Come and eat, he says to the fellow. The brother had been introduced, but Victor cannot remember his name. The whisky has clouded his mind, and all he sees are colours now, around each person. Greens, purples, golds, crimsons. Around this man, there is a yellow fire, an easy lion aggression. If the fellow were to open his mouth, a roar of the fire would belch out, and Victor realises he hates him without reason. On impulse, he takes the man's hand, pulls him from his chair, and pushing his shoulder lightly, leads him to the dining room where people are already loading their plates. 
Nandani stands watching the dishes empty, waiting to swoop down to refill them. He catches her eye. She smiles from the side of her mouth. Victor looks at her across the party, and a tenderness for her erupts from him, and to his embarrassment and surprise, he imagines their warmth in the dark, the smell of her neck, the soft, flabby skin of her stomach, crushed and stretched and worn. And he sees around her a glow of pink and mauve, which takes his breath away. Preeti and Claire are drunk by eleven, but not too drunk, because Vita, Nil's sister, has joined them, and so has Jenny, and they have shared the bottle of wine, giggled about boys and talked about sex. And Claire has told them what a blow have all agreed that it's something they will never do, not for all the money in the world. Imagine even holding one, Preeti says, and they break into hysteria, but it is false. It is a party and they are drunk. Claire has cigarettes and offers them around. Preeti and Jenny refuse, but Vita takes one and they all stick their heads out of Preeti's window to look up at the moon and continue talking. The party has slipped leisurely into the front garden and men stand with drinks and cigarettes and their smoke reaches Preeti and Jenny, Claire and Vita. They stay quiet to listen because there is an urgency to the voices and Preeti sees it is her father and a beautiful young man talking. There are other ways, her father says. What do you suggest? Killing, beating, all of this, it's not the answer. Forgiveness is the answer, Victor says. The young man throws his head back and laughs, then drinks down his drink. Forgiveness? What has your forgiveness done for you? You think the way things are in Sri Lanka is down to the Sinhalese? The Tamils didn't do so badly under the British, did they? Should we have forgiven after they left? Still under Tamil rule, that is where. And no more Sri Lanka, he says, clicking his fingers. And you here, what will your forgiveness do for you here? The whites hate you. Claire shouts down. I don't hate you, Victor. I love you. And Preeti elbows her, and Vita chokes as she tries to smother her cigarette puffs so her uncles don't see her. You see, Victor laughs, pointing up at the window. It is nearly midnight. We don't want to argue now, do we? He puts his hand out to the young man and rests it on his shoulder. Come, come, I will get you another drink. Come and sing, he says. Preeti hates her father for this. She hates his appeasement and his gentility. Oi, she shouts down after they walk away. Leave my dad alone. And the four of them laugh again. Chitra giggles up. Chitra calls up. Silly girls, wherefore art thou, silly girls? They giggle and choke and watch other people in the dark. Hugo kissing Dorothy's hand as he leads her back into the house. Richard and Chitra easing their way down the hill, arm in arm. Bye, Auntie, Preeti shouts after them. Do you think she does, Claire says, and they all squeal at the thought of Chitra and Richard going home to bed. Of course she does. What, blowjobs? Uh, don't, Peter says. Preeti hangs out of the window still. It's a beautiful night, she says. On such a night as this did fair Troilus... What is it? Oh, I don't know, Preeti, Claire says. Vita finishes her cigarette and throws the stub down onto the road. Do you know what I want to do? I want to dance. The ghetto blaster is best in their parents' bedroom, Rohan and Preeti decide. Claire is flirting shamelessly with Rohan, her arm around his neck as he leans down to the deck to put Michael Jackson on. As he presses the play button down, 
Don't stop till you get enough, begins, and he twirls her into the room, first with her arm, then pulling her back into a crotch thrust by the waist. Claire is thrilled, and so is Vita, who has been in love with Rohan since she was born, she thinks. Nil sits on the bed watching, and Preeti calls to Gihan and his friends. Claire goes back to the blaster and turns it up. The children have run in from the garden and are now outside the bedroom, looking in curiously. They all watch as Rohana, Neil, Preeti, Vita, Jenny and Claire all start to dance wildly, their arms in the air, their feet pounding double time to the beat. On the stairs, a late arrival, Mohan has run up the hill from the station in order to be with his family for New Year. It is five to twelve. Victor stops everything. It is nearly midnight. Let's count down. Ten, nine, eight... Before he can continue, the noise from upstairs throbs the counts for him. What is that, he says, but he knows it is his children. Another song, Kumar shouts, but as he shouts, he falls over. Three, two, one, Wesley says, and then Happy New Year, and everyone shouts Happy New Year to each other, and there are kisses all around Victor. But the music goes on upstairs, so that as the people kiss each other in his sitting room, and their colours mix like a kaleidoscope into smoky patterns, he becomes angry. He remembers home, the New Year's when he was a teenager, the faces he kissed there, the night, heat and rain, and his mother's orchids, their silhouettes in the moonlight. He remembers the smell of the warmth of drying coconut and rice, but he remembers also his father's stinging switch, his mother's face turned away. He wants to get to Nandini because he is all out of it, out of the party, of the friends, of his children, nowhere he can find home. But if he found Nandini, it would be there, in her, and he would be safe again. He looks for pinks, for mauves. The dancing does not stop. They show off to each other. They dance, brothers and sisters together. They dance because they can. They are exhausted, but they push on. They push each other on because they are new. They are the ones. What to do, Sire says to Nandini. She is determined to marry him. What to do? Good, let her make a good marriage, Nandini says. Wesley and Victor sit with them in the dining room. Many people have gone. Gertie and her brother sit on the opposite side of the table. Good, good, these children will never go back, Gertie says. Let them make marriages here. Up with white fellows, her brother says. Why not? Gertie asks sharply. You think once you give them all this, you can take them back there, take it all away? Why not? Wesley asks. They can get used to anything. They are not English. They are ours. What rubbish, Nantony says, and Cyril agrees with the nodding of her quiet head. What is their mo mother tongue now? The brother says. What does it matter? Victor says. Language. It is important. What is their mother tongue? Ask me what is mine, Victor says. It is the same as theirs. We speak in the language we live in. It is not important. He sees the yellow fire as if it were dangerous, this man, dangerous. What language do you dream in, the brothers ask. Dream, Wesley answers for Victor. We live in our dreams. We do not need to dream. They all laugh. The children come downstairs. Vita sits on Wesley's knee. Preeti throws her arm around Victor. What is your mother tongue? The brother says to them both. Claire leans against the doorway. Preeti shrugs. Vita says, oh my God, are you talking about that stuff again? Do you want to know? I will show you, Nandini says. And she elbows Cyril, and the two of them together poke their tongues out, catching the tips with their fingers. Nandini crosses her eyes. 
Victor laughs, but he wants to cry. We belong nowhere, he says, but if we belong anywhere, it is here. I have chosen here, he says. He stands. We have chosen here, and that is it, he says, flicking his wrist up as if tossing an imaginary cricket ball into the air. We are here. When everyone is finally gone and the children are asleep, he and Anthony go to bed. They talk of the brother of Kumar and stupid Sharmini. They gossip and laugh. But when the light is off, he turns onto his side and kisses Nanthani on the forehead, on the nose, on the lips. He says, I was homesick for you. And she laughs and says, silly, you were drunk. As she rolls over and tucks herself into him, pulling his arm around her, her husband, her husband. <laughs>